Hello to everyone. Again, we're thankful for another opportunity to be able to look into God's Word. Uh, another Bible study. We're in John chapter 3. Uh, wish everyone a happy new year. Hope everyone's doing well. And we're just we're thankful that God's granted us the means to be able to get the Word of God out as we do, and we hope it's a help and a strengthening to everyone that would hear and that God would help us through it to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus and the work that he's done for us. So we're in John chapter 3 and just to get our thoughts together I know I've said this several times but we're getting near the end of Jesus discourse with Nicodemus and Nicodemus unable to understand what it meant to be born again. Uh, by his testimony, he knew Jesus was a man sent from God because of his works, but he didn't have an understanding of the work that he come to do. And Jesus here is explaining to Nicodemus why it's necessary to be born again and what it truly means to be born again and the work that he came to accomplish. So last time we looked at uh, 16 and 17 for the most part. So today we'll pick up in John chapter 3, we're verse 18. So just to review, we have that famous verse, John 3, 16, and God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's verse 17. So God sent his Son not to bring condemnation, not to cast man down, but Jesus was sent for one purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost, to bring salvation unto those that God had given unto him. And there was no need for condemnation, because man was already condemned, already hopeless, and already lost before Jesus ever appeared on the scene. So, verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So the first thing that I notice here is the present tense of all of it. A lot of times you'll hear the judgment and the sentencing of man being at the end, and I realize there will be a final judgment, but we do not have to wait until that final judgment to know how that we stand with God. If we did, if we were right now waiting for the judgment to figure out what our standing with God was, how could there be any assurance of salvation? How, how could Paul say, I've fought a good fight and I've stood the test? How could Paul say that there was waiting him a crown of righteousness? How could there be any assurance for the believers in Christ right now if we were waiting until the end to receive our sentence? Well, that's not what Jesus is saying here. This is very present tense, and he that believeth 
him that believeth, and we're talking about believing on the Son of God, and that word means to have faith in, upon, or with respect to, to credit, or to entrust. So I think a lot of times that is glossed over so quickly and thought of so little that the depths of that is not really realized. So to entrust or to credit, I am saying that I'm unable to meet God's standard and to measure up to God's uh, righteousness, but I am going to entrust that the work that Jesus Christ did was first sufficient to appease God's wrath, that His righteousness is sufficient to, uh, to atone for me and to cause me to be just in the sight of God, and I'm entrusting my soul and my salvation to not to me, not to what I'm going to do in the future, but to what already has been done in Jesus Christ. So to him that believeth on him is not condemned. So let, let's look at a scripture too before we get too far. In this same gospel, John chapter 5, verse number 24, Verily I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. So that hath, that is to presently have in possession. That's what that word means. So to them that believe, to them that have faith, to them who have moved to the pleading of the Holy Spirit of God, because remember, uh, in our past two episodes, number four, number five, you can go back, hear those, and hear the explanation of it. But know that to them that have been called, convicted, drew, and changed by the work of God, and they presently have faith in Jesus Christ, to those they have everlasting life in their possession, and that word of itself means that it can never end. It's not in limbo, and it's not waiting to see what I do. It is sure, steadfast, and never-ending. And if you don't believe that, then listen. Hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So let's look at the tenses of these words. Shall not, so that's future. If I believe right now, I have everlasting life, and I shall not in the future come unto condemnation. There is there is a salvation in Christ Jesus that is secure, steadfast, unchangeable, and to them that have faith in the work that Jesus Christ has done, they have received a salvation that cannot cease and will not lose them. They shall not come into condemnation, but is. This isn't coming to pass. It would say they shall if it was in the future. But present tense, they are presently passed from death unto life. When did that happen? When they believed on the work that the Son of God did. And, you know, the argument that you hear 
most often from religious people, we'll say, about this eternal salvation is what you teach is that people can be saved and live how they want to. Absolutely not. That is not what we teach. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. They are passed from death unto life. Them that are saved, they're no longer in the deadness of sin. They're no longer servants to sin. But God has resurrected them out of sin and out of ungodliness and out of their servitude to the very devil himself and place them in the kingdom of his dear son and they now are spiritually alive in the kingdom of God and able to walk not in the old man but in newness of life by the renewing of the Holy Ghost of God within them. This is a life change. This eternal salvation is not a free ticket to sin for the rest of my life, but it is a resurrection from the dead state, and not dead in the grave, but dead in sins, a servant to sin and unable to stop it. We're resurrected out of that, placed in the kingdom of the Son of God, made new creatures in Christ Jesus. All of this terminology, it's all in the Bible. It's all backed up by the Bible. So God's resurrected us and we are presently past from death unto life. So let's look at a few more places. In the book of Romans, you talk about a book that reveals the justification that's in Christ Jesus. You'll find it in the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 5, verse number 1. Therefore being justified by faith, so that sounds very much like what we're reading in John chapter 3. He that believeth on him is not condemned. So here, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So justified, to be rendered or publicly declared as righteous. That's the meaning of that word justified. So to them, they are justified by faith. So by their believing in God, they're not condemned. They are justified, declared righteous. And that is, we have peace. We have presently peace with God. So them that are in Christ Jesus, they presently are at peace with God, not because they've done a list of works that was required, but because they've placed their trust, their faith, they have credited their righteousness and entrusted their salvation to the work of Jesus Christ. God has credited them. He has imputed unto them righteousness just as he did to Abraham and they are justified at this present time. They're not waiting until the judgment to be declared as children of God. They're declared children of God presently in this life by the presence and the witness of the Holy Ghost. We have peace with God today in Christ Jesus. Again in Romans chapter 8 verse number 1, There is therefore now, not in the future, 
But there is therefore now, at this present time, right now, no condemnation. That word means adverse sentence. It's the same word that we see here in John. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. There is no adverse sentence to them who are redeemed by the sacrifice of Christ Jesus himself, but they are eternally secure in the hand of Almighty God. No man can pluck them out of the hand of Jesus, and the Father who's greater than him, no man can pluck them out of his hand. An eternal, secure salvation. How is that obtained? There's not works to do to obtain it. It's by faith. Them who are in Christ Jesus, they're in Christ Jesus by faith. Now the life change, that's a result of the justification by faith. If there's no justification, then no matter what the life looks like, it's of no value. And we'll see that as we go farther down. So he that believeth on him is not condemned presently. He is not condemned at this present time. He's justified in Jesus Christ. But he that believeth not is condemned already. So those that believe not, in John chapter 8, verse 24, you're going to read this. I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. So you could back up to verse 22. John chapter 8 verse 22, you'll see Jesus is speaking to the Jews. Now who were the Jews? They were the religious crowd. And I believe that's how that, that applies to us today. Uh, we're all Gentiles. And uh, I, I say that carefully. But for the most part, we're all Gentiles. We don't have any right to the kingdom of God in the Old Testament law. But, as that word speaks here in John chapter 8, the Jews, there is a religious crowd amongst us that go to church, that go through the motions and the ceremonies, but that are not saved. Well, Jesus is saying to this religious crowd that if you don't put your faith and your trust in my work, if you're not born again, then you're going to die in your sins. You see where the division is made. It's not because I've done this sin, I'm condemned, and because I've done these good works, I'm not condemned. It's not based on anything that's performed by man, by man's strengths, or by man's abilities. It is the division between life and death, saved and lost, con condemned or not condemned, is whether or not I've had faith in the work that the Son of God has done. That is the division. Now, religion would say the division is what I do and what I don't do. This is not religion as our world views religion. This is redemption through Jesus Christ. So, them that do not believe, they shall die in your sins. If you do not believe, that will be the end. So, it's interchangeable with what we have read 
in John 3, believe to be born again by believing, and I mean truly believing, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, by the drawing power of God. Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We believe and art sure. Now, Jesus said, Flesh and blood's not revealed this, but my Father. So, the true belief and the true faith comes from God to man through the Spirit and through the Gospel. So, another place in Hebrews, and I guess this is a uh, pretty familiar verse amongst Bible readers. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So will there be escape if we neglect to do as Jesus said? Is man going to escape if he does not come to God for salvation? See, uh, man's got trust in works. Man has trust in religious professions, a profession of faith. Now that's something I've done. What our faith and our trust had better be in is a work that God has done in the heart, resurrecting man from death unto life spiritually. And if there's been no work of God done, and I've got faith, in my trip to the altar and in a profession that I made, that's of no value whatsoever. That's a work that I done, not a work that God did. So this condemnation that he's talking of in John 3, it's based on whether or not I believe in the work that the Son of God has done. He doesn't give Nicodemus the law. Because by the law, in Nicodemus's mind, he was justified. He offered the sacrifices. He strove to do right and live morally. But Jesus says you must be born again. This is why we must. Because if not, we're condemned. Now, why are they condemned already? This is not in the future at the final judgment. But those that do not believe, they're condemned right now. Presently. At this time. So that you can examine yourself, see whether Christ is in you or not, and know whether you're condemned or you're not. And this condemnation... What brings this condemnation on? Is there a certain amount of sin that I have to commit to be condemned? Is there a certain amount of good that I can do that would prevent me from being condemned? No, it's, it's all based on faith. The works of man is of no value in the kingdom of God. Remember that. No matter how good that the work you do is, in the kingdom of God for your righteousness, it is of no value to your salvation. Because, this is why he's condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Those that are condemned, they are condemned because they've not believed. Them that are not condemned, 
they're not condemned because they have believed. All of the works. See, man has the thinking that he's adding something to his salvation, that he's making it better, that he's earning something. Man's not earning anything. And you're not adding to the perfect work of Jesus Christ. It's our justification is based on our faith in the Son of God. Either there is faith, and if there is faith, there will be a resulting work of God in the inward man, a resulting pass from death unto life. Either there's faith or there's not faith. There's no Holy Ghost living inside, and we're lost. That's what our salvation is based on. All of this works business will not profit you in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' own words, you must be born again. So, in uh, 3.18, believe because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. So what is the condemnation? That word means the tribunal, the justice, or judgment. So it's like a courtroom. And it's like the, the verdict is being read. So the judge, the jury, they've met. And this is the verdict. That light is come into the world... And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So this light, that luminousness to shine or to make manifest, and darkness is shadiness or obscurity. But that word rather, that's a special word there. Men love darkness rather that means in a greater degree or more than. Man loves darkness in a greater degree than they do light because their deeds were evil. And in our last Sunday school episode, Romans 1, 19-20, we talked a little about light and darkness, so we won't go into great depths here. But this light, this is spiritual light. We can look in John 1 and see this light spoken of. But this light that come into the world, it's luminousness. It's making manifest the true condition of mankind. The light, Jesus Christ, the Word of God made flesh, the Word of God by the Spirit, this light lets me know what I truly am in God's sight and how wicked and black that my sin is before God. This light allows me to see my inward condition. This light, revealing to man his need of salvation, has come into the world. Man didn't have anything to do with that. God sent his son, remember? So in John chapter 9, verse number 39, and Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. 
And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see. Therefore your sin remaineth. So Jesus was making manifest to those that could not see. And, and who couldn't see? The whole world was blinded by the devil and by sin. If our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Hid to them that are in darkness. Hid to them that are under the control and power of Satan himself. Jesus came to give light, to open the understanding of man, and to let him to know his need of redemption in Jesus Christ. And also, with that, to shine the light on the means of redemption that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So again, in John, John chapter 15, verse number 22, If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. So, is that true? Did they not have sin? If we believe Romans 3, then all of man was sinful. So these people here in John 15 that Jesus is speaking of, they were sinners. But if he came, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. They would not have been made aware of their individual and personal sin if Jesus hadn't spoken to them. So the word of God spoke to these people and caused them to see and realize their own sin. So that's the light of the gospel of the Son of God. God is making man aware of his state before himself. He is shining the light. He's making manifest to the understanding of man his true inward condition. In Luke chapter 10, verse 10, But into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you not, Go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. So he's commanding his disciples that he's going to send out to preach. If they won't hear, then shake the dust off as a witness against them, but let them know the kingdom of God's come near. The light of the knowledge of the Son of God has shone in your hearts. Now what does that bring? That brings greater condemnation upon man. We've seen in John chapter 9, John chapter 15, these that see, these that the word of God illuminates to their condition, if they do not do anything about it, they're worse off now than they were before because now they're aware of their sin and chose to do nothing about that condition. Well, he, he assures us here in verse 12, But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. It'll be better for Sodom in the day of judgment and the day of the wrath of God then it will be for the cities where the light of God is shown and knowledge of sin has come. So with this light, 
comes a greater condemnation. Light has come into the world. Men had no power over that. And men loved darkness rather than light. So this is what man did. The light came, and man, by nature, shut his eyes to the light of the Son of God. Man does not want to see his condition. And you know, if you're sleeping in the midst of the night, and somebody turns the light on in your bedroom, the natural desire of man is to cinch those eyes shut tight because that light hurts the eyes of man because they're dilated. That's why. So God says, this light's come, this knowledge of God's come, and man had rather not have that knowledge and be guilty because their deeds are evil. So because they're guilty, they don't want the light to shine and make them aware of their guilt. It doesn't make them guilty or not guilty. It's all in their mind. And if we turn off the knowledge of God, then I don't feel as bad. But you're still guilty. You're still condemned already and you're still in danger of the judgment. Though knowledge is cut off, and we'll see this in the Sunday school, though knowledge is cut off, that doesn't change God. God's the same. And that doesn't change me. I'm still guilty. But man had rather sit in darkness. In Luke chapter number 16, Verse number 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. So Jesus just gave the parable of the unjust steward, and he said at the end, now look, you can't love mammon, you can't love filthy lucre, and you can't serve money and serve me. Because one will take precedence over the other. You can't hold to two masters. You're going to have to choose the one you're going to serve. Well, the Pharisees, they were covetous, the Bible says, they wanted to serve God, but they wanted the money too. So when they heard these things, now what do you think that did to them? Well, it condemned them. They realized what he was saying. They realized that they were guilty. They did not like being guilty. So they derided, they talked down of, they uh, spoke evil of Jesus because of what he had said. His teaching had shown the light to their condition that they were sinful, that what they're doing and the way they were living was not right. So they're, they didn't come to that light. They rejected the light. They shut their eyes to the light. They ran to darkness and they derided Jesus. 
They said he's an idiot. He's a liar. What he's saying ain't true. And all of that, it wasn't because they hated the man Jesus. It was because what he said condemned them. And friends, you get down to the bottom of it, that's why the church is despised today by man. It's not because the church is bad people. It's not because, as you hear often, it's just a bunch of hypocrites. But what causes mankind to hate the church and the gospel is because what the gospel says brings condemnation to man. Man loves darkness more than the light. So this is what Jesus says. I'm still in Luke 16, verse 15. He said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. So Jesus says what you're doing is you're seeking to look good in front of mankind. Now boy, is that not the case over and over and over again? Uh, you know, the desire is that man would think highly of me. But what God thinks, mankind doesn't give a nickel what God thinks. He's more concerned about mankind. I believe it's very proven today as churches and, and maybe, maybe it's legitimate fear. But the God's truth is, the majority, it's out of a lack of desire to serve God that churches have their doors closed and they're not meeting for service. They desire to appear good before men, you know, when there is service. People come and they don't think there ought to be service. And they don't want to be there. But they come anyway because they want man to think well of them. But God is looking into the heart of man. God knows the true intentions, the true desire, and what they're looking for. God knows them. One more place in Isaiah 30, verse number 9. This is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, See not, and to the prophets, Prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. What are they looking for out of their preacher? What are they looking for out of the Sunday school? Prophesy easy things. Tell me all I have to do is believe. Tell me I'm good the way that I am. Tell me that I'm not sinful and tell me that I'm not wicked and deceive me and cause me to believe a lie. Now why does man want to believe a lie? Because he's evil and he does not want to be condemned by the word of God. People are flocking to liars, to deceivers. Tell me smooth things, they say. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease. They want a God. They want a Jesus. 
quote, unquote. But the Holy One of Israel, the one that's righteous, upright, and perfect, and demands perfection, and we cannot meet His standard, that's not the God that we want. Well, friends, that's, that's the God of the Bible, the perfect Holy One of Israel. That's the God that the Bible teaches me. So if I want something different, I'm going to have to find me a man that'll prophesy something easy to me. But know this, if I flock to darkness, and if I run from the light and am unwilling to hear the truth, how am I going to come to repentance, believe, and be saved? No, the bottom line is, man hates the gospel and the truth of the gospel and the straightness of the word because he's guilty and because he's condemned before God. If I was not guilty, then why would I run from the truth? That's just the way it is. So, back in John 3 now, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Verse 20, For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So that word doeth, it means to practice, to perform repeatedly or habitually. We're going to see this uh, if, if you follow along with our Sunday school as well. We're going to see this word several times towards the end of chapter 1 as well as here, to, to practice, to repeat, to perform habitually. So them that habitually perform evil, they hate the light. So who performs evil habitually? The truth is, whether it's liked or not, all of mankind is in that state in his natural condition. It's a habit man can't break. Man can't break his habit of sin. So all of those that do evil, they hate to detest, to persecute. So they detest the light, they hate the light so much that they would persecute it to speak evil of, to run down, to deride, to cast down. Now that's a pretty strong hate, isn't it? Not just that you dislike it enough that you're not going to go in here. But it's hated enough that we would go out of our way to speak evil of the church and the gospel. You know why that is? Because man's guilty. I mean, that's that seems like a simple explanation, but that's the way it is. Lest... So they come not to the light, lest his deeds be reproved. So lest means in order that not. What they're seeking for is that their deeds would not be reproved. That word means confuted, admonished, convict, or discover. So they're seeking to prevent their evil deeds from being discovered or them being convicted of those. Convinced. So the light of God convinces me that I'm a sinner and that I must be born again. I don't want to know that I'm a sinner. I don't want to be guilty. 
So I hate the light and run to darkness. So let's let's look at just a place or two and and we're going to run out of time here and we'll stop. In 1 Kings 22 verse number 8. And I I believe this fits very well with this scripture as well as the way people are today towards the gospel. So here is Ahab. We all are familiar with Ahab and with his evil nature as well as his wife Jezebel and her evil nature. They were disobedient to God. They performed great wickedness. They led the nation away from God. They stole and they murdered and they lied and they served idols. So he's a he's an evil man without question. And Jehoshaphat's coming and he's a good king and he's ruling over Judah and Jehoshaphat and Ahab are going to go to battle. Now Jehoshaphat says we need to seek somebody that's a prophet. Let's inquire and see what the Lord would say. If we're going to go to battle, I want to know what the Lord says and whether he's on our side or not. So Ahab, Ahab's got some prophets. And this is all in chapter 22 of 1 Kings. So Ahab calls his prophets in and they say, Go up, you're going to win. You know what they're doing? They're prophesying those smooth things to Ahab. They're telling him exactly what he wants to hear. Is it true? No. Ahab's going to go up in this battle. He's going to die. But see, the false prophets, they're not worried about that. They got a job to do. They tell what you want to hear. That's the way these false preachers are today. They tell people what they want to hear. And the sad thing is, people die and go to hell. And the family that's left, they stay with that lying preacher. Because at the funeral, that same lying preacher gets up and does what he always does, tells people what they want to hear, and tells them that mama, daddy, brother, sister, grandpa, grandma, why they're in heaven with everybody else. And those people are comforted. And they love that darkness because there's no condemnation in it. And they're led astray towards the judgment of God in the same way all the others were. But Jehoshaphat, he knows the difference. And he says, Ahab, isn't there a prophet of God somewhere? This is what Ahab says in verse number 8. 1 Kings 22, verse number 8. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. So Ahab, now notice Micaiah here, he's known and has the reputation to Ahab of being a true prophet of the Lord. 
so Ahab knows. These men here, they're not the real thing. They're just there to ease the conscience and to help me out. That's why he's got them. But when Jehoshaphat said, is there not a real prophet? Ahab knows of one, but I hate him. Why does he hate him? Because what he has to say is always evil towards him. Now why? Because Ahab's evil. If Ahab repented and turned from his wicked ways, would not the prescription, would not the word from God be different? It certainly would be different. But Ahab does not want to repent. Ahab is evil and wants to remain that way. So what's he say about the prophet? I hate him. What he says towards me is always bad. Well, know this. Those that are sinners, the word of God will proclaim that I'm a sinner lost and in danger of the judgment until... I come to Christ and am born again. There's no other way to come to Christ but through the gospel, so I can't avoid it. I'm going to have to come to the light and see what I am. But they hate the light, and they don't want to be convicted of their sin. But see, that very hatred of the light and desire to get away from the conviction of the Word of God it's what's going to take people into eternal destruction, separated from the Lord. John chapter 7, verse 7. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. That's the words of Jesus. Why does the world hate Jesus? And I've said this, I've said this many times. It wasn't because that he was feeding with fishes and loaves. It wasn't because he healed the sick. It wasn't because he gave hearing to the deaf and sight to the blind and cleansed the lepers and caused the lame to walk. None of those things were why Jesus was hated, but it was the word he was speaking that was testifying to the evil deeds of mankind. For that, Jesus was hated. Man doesn't want to hear that he needs to be born again. Man wants to think that what he's got is good enough. And in Galatians, this is a little different context than what we're reading, but still fitting in the same manner. Paul here writing to the church at Galatia, verse number 16, chapter 4, of the book of Galatians. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Paul, whom he says, you would have plucked your eyes out and gave them to me. You loved me and the gospel that I preached. But now, you've turned to darkness and because I'm telling you the truth, you hate me. See how darkness works? See how sin and the devil works? Draws us away from redemption. And when I get in the evil of darkness, then I hate the light. I hate the means of life, salvation, and repentance. So we'll stop there.
We just got one more verse of Jesus speaking. We'll pick up there next time. And then we'll begin to look at John the Baptist and finish out this chapter. Uh, I realize the latter half is not near as popular as the beginning, but I believe it's just as important. So we'll uh, look at some of that next time. Hope the Lord blesses you this week. I hope he has blessed you and does. And uh, Lord willing, uh, maybe we'll get to be back with Bible study again next week. We love you and um, pray for us and we'll try to pray for you.